1: Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete
0: men's grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com. They ruled with fear and violence, not just violence against people involved in, in the game, violence against women, violence against young people, teenagers, violence against the relatives of people who owed them money, even violence to to their own relatives. They were responsible for the deaths of a number of absolutely innocent people. Anybody who opposed them was in danger of being shot dead.
1: I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in ireland and across the globe it was once a city under siege where ruthless gangs and one notorious family ruled with fear and intimidation but a massive crackdown on crime followed by an injection of 300 million euro in regeneration funds restored limerick's reputation as a cosmopolitan modern city But like everywhere else, an underworld of crime still exists. And last week, more than 400 Gardaí and military personnel staged a series of raids targeting the most significant crime groups in the city. So who are the gangs? And where does the balance of power in gangland now lie? Today, I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the gangs of Limerick, ten bloody years of mayhem, and the slick business approach of the New Order. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. It's not often we see uh, searches and raids anywhere in the country that involve 400 personnel from the military and from the Garda, uh, But that's exactly what happened last week in Limerick. And, you know, it's interesting, I suppose, that we see amidst the... Uh, the arrests and the questioning of suspects, that we see the same old names that we're very well used to over nearly three decades now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was an absolutely major operation. Um, just the, the scale of it um, is quite incredible. You're we talking about 65 properties raided. And I think it was up to 300,000 uh, frozen in bank accounts, as well as about 65,000 in cash. and um, you know the usual cars, the usual Rolexes. So it's a massive operation, but yes, it's the same. Um, I suppose the the ultimate target is the same people that were being targeted twenty years ago in Limerick, or or certainly people that are very closely associated with each other.
1: It, it's that's extraordinary in one way and kind of depressing in another. But having said that, we have to be realistic about these things, and you know when an organisation is shut down and we look on these crime groups as like as if they are cells, they are just shut down for that period of time The people are in prison. And in many cases, they will keep their criminal activities going from behind bars. But when they come out, they get very active again.
0: Yeah, it's a network. It's a family uh, network, I suppose, to a degree, organised crime the world over. Um, obviously, most famously in, in you know in 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 the US you saw the the mafia families and how interchangeable it was even if somebody did get get killed or get, or get put behind bars that there was a network to keep it going that could be trusted and and that that things could be uh, left in their hands
1: now following the 10 years of slaughter down in Limerick um, at the beginning of this century. There was a 300 million euro regeneration fund pumped into the city and it would be uneducated of us to suggest that that was in an effort to shut down the gangs. It wasn't. It was in an effort to make life fairer for people living in these underprivileged areas which were breeding grounds for kids going into gangs and there was a lot of uh, very good projects put in there the uh, A lot of the housing estates were reconfigured. Some of the houses in the middle of them were knocked down. It's actually kind of strange when you drive through them and you see these gaps where there used to be houses on top of one another. I think there's a lot of sporting um facilities put in and no doubt that regeneration project would pay off when you see sort of kids being steered onto the right road opposed to the wrong.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Limerick is... uh you know, a modern, successful, cosmopolitan city as well. You have to say that, that, you know, I think in in 2007, there was 103 shootings recorded. I mean, there's almost none last year, as far as I know. So it is a city transformed. And I mean, the the communities of, you know, where some of this criminality was entrenched have, have made huge efforts. And so Limerick, the idea, and and of course, you always get a bit of a, a bit of grief when you mention criminality in Limerick, you know, and that's 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 fair enough because uh, it, to an extent, people are defending their city, and it would be fair to say Limerick is is not, um, you know, a, is not a city under siege or anything like that. But what you do have, nonetheless, is um, a, a number of highly organized professional gangs implanted within the city that are be- very very difficult to uproot fully and although the communities as you spoke about maybe in Moirass and St Mary's Park and made huge developments and, and, and huge progress there still can be waves of intimidation on young people about drug deaths there still can be frightening levels of violence so you know while, while the positives are undoubtedly there you know criminality is still entrenched in in small subgroups within the city.
1: Mm-hmm. And Limerick actually has a disproportionate amount of criminal groups for this, for its size. Limerick, I think, has a population of about 100,000. And yet, outside Dublin, it has the most criminal groups targeted in any one region. There's uh, 12, I think, or thereabouts, top-tier gangs. And then, underneath them, you're talking into the, you know, 20s, 30s, 80s. You know, the lower they go, a gang can be anything from three people upwards, but... There's more than 60 Criminal Assets Bureau targets in the region. And, um, you know, just from last week's activities by the um, the military and the, the police, that's the second similar type of raid to have happened in Limerick. Now, what we discovered were was that it wasn't targeting one gang. It was targeting really the big four or what has become the big four. And we're going to describe them, who they are and in a way, how they'd emerged, developed and where really where it started, that we started to become to know them as a nation, as opposed to just the city itself. Um, one of the key characters that was arrested the other day was a guy called Fat John McCarthy. Now, who is he, Nile, and uh, wh- what was he doing before the courts after these raids?
0: Um, well, uh, Fat John uh, McCarthy is... Um one of the most established organized criminals in Limerick City. And um, he's only recently released after serving a 14 year sentence for a uh, heroin distribution offense. And um, Fat John is not a glamorous gangster type. I wouldn't describe him as that. Um he is somebody who's from Moy Ross, uh, you know, a big, uh returned i suppose is 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 where his name comes from but uh you know a guy very into horses very much um you know he he he's been involved in organized criminality since he was a very very young man and um he was an associate of um Eddie Ryan,
1: yeah, where the feuding began was with the murder of Eddie Ryan, and Fat John is
0: his his nephew, so that 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 was the beginning of 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 what would become known as the Limerick feud over the years. And Fat John has been in or around since then, uh, played a major role. But I suppose with Fat John McCarthy, once the Dundons were off the scene, he became the major a major figure. And as you were saying, Nicola, like these gangs in Limerick, they're not all targeting the the limp to trade in the city. They became really um, nationwide distribution hubs that were moving drugs from Limerick around
1: rural Ireland in particular. So let's go back a bit because I think people get confused with all these families in Limerick and who they are and who's aligned to who. So we start, say, with the McCartys and I think the McCartys and the Ryans are cousins. Eddie Ryan was one of the big criminals the major criminal in the city back in 2000 him and Kieran Keane would have been big rivals uh, both kind of heading up drug gangs and both seeing the potential now 2000 would have been the beginning of the boom years the beginning of the cocaine years um anybody in the drug trade at that stage was really they were in it they were entering into a gold rush and Eddie Ryan and Kieran Keane were people who were kind of from both different sides of the, different, different, I mean, Limerick is small, but these housing estates seem to be near the city, but yet they could be a million miles apart, even though you can walk from one to the other. So Eddie Ryan was in the Moose Bar in, in 2000 when Kieran Keane came in and shot him dead. Is that right?
0: That's right. And um, it, it had come uh, earlier on. Um, Eddie, Eddie Ryan and the Keane Brothers were, by all accounts, sometimes in the, in the 1990s, were pretty pally. They were, you know, they weren't, uh, although they were, they headed up rival organisations, they, were, they weren't direct rivals. Um, but sometime in the, in, as, as the 90s came to an end, they, they, Eddie Ryan in particular, fell out with the Keynes, probably over money. Um, you know, there was also always famously the story about a, a fight outside a school that, that really sparked off a certain level of violence. But in November 2000, uh, Eddie Ryan tried unsuccessfully to, to, to kill Christy Keane. And then days later, he was, he was shot in, in, in a pub. And the chief suspect for that shooting, it was Kieran Keane, the brother of Christy Keane, the two brothers who were the most significant uh, criminal figures on that side of the city.
1: So you have a murder like that as significant as that and as would be tradition, the sides line up and all of a sudden um, you're seeing a kind of a, you know, you're seeing a call to a call to war for in, in in the underworld. The McCarthys being Fat John, his brother Eds and other sort of members of their grouping um, backed the Rhines because they were relatives and they were closer to them. Um, the Keens got some support from another family organisation called the Coloppies. And I think the two clear sides were created.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the Coloppies would have been young men at that stage. Um, there was a number of brothers. They would have been involved very much in the heroin trade at that stage, would have started making big money, but were involved in all, all types of drug dealing. And it's it, to a certain extent, it's bit split geographically. And the Colpies had a very strong base in the St. Mary's Park area, and the McCartys would have had a very strong base in the Moy Ross area. So it, it split, and there was um there was obviously a, a large degree of of, of of violence, but probably the most uh notorious incident was the uh, abduction and killing of of Kieran Keane. And um, at that point, there obviously there had been you know, certain levels of violence up until that point in terms of stabbings that they can go anywhere. But um, Kieran Keane and his nephew, Owen Tracy, in um, in 2003 were lured and attacked by a large group of people that included Desi Dundon. Mm. They shot Kieran Keane in the head and stabbed Owen Tracy 17 times. And at this stage, the Dundon brothers had, who were geographically from a slightly different part of Limerick. Um, they, they, somebody said to me once they're far cousins of the, the Moy Ross McCartys, but they're, you know, maybe some relation, but not a very direct relation. And they had mm. sided um, with the McCarty gang and um, had become involved in this this murder, which was really t- to take out the the, the the most important person, Kieran Keane, in that gang. And that really sparked a
1: a long wave of bloodletting after that. Now the Dundons had returned from the UK where they had been reared and um, they were well on the radar of the police in the UK. In actual fact, Wayne Dundon had been um, picked up by the police over there because he had savagely beaten an individual in a wheelchair. And I think he had actually been deported back to Ireland. He had been kicked out of the UK, basically. The Dundon family returned as this feud is, is brimming and as there's a power struggle in Limerick City um, for the control of the drug turf because the turf of course is the Midwest it's not just the city of Limerick it's it's right out into Clare and into neighbouring Tipperary and other counties and the Dundon sided with the the what we'll call the Ryan McCarthy gang and they offered firstly their muscle but very quickly I think realised that they were more than the muscle they were the bosses. And the Dundon brothers kind of took over that faction.
0: Well, they had, um, from their time in the UK, they seem to have had um, a connection for for both uh, weapons, firearms and for for drugs. And I think the Dundon brothers, um, you know, there's, there was obviously, there was um, Wayne, John, Desi and Jer that were involved in criminality. And they were... Uh, they brought a new level of, of violence to the city. Um, they were absolutely willing to, to shoot and intimidate to a whole other level. Um, so they were young men, and they, they, they linked up with the, the, the McCarty-Ryan gang. And slowly over time, I think the, uh, it was an uneasy alliance, but it was an alliance that remained for a decade. And what happened, of course, with the Dundon brothers was um, they seem to have made connections, not just with the UK, where they were they had been based, but they also made very strong connections. Which I suppose what would be go on to be known as the Keenan Cartel in Dublin, and um, they associated themselves with um, Fat Freddie's gang, I suppose, as it, as it was called mm. then. They were, you know, that some of the Dundons were, you know, seen meeting up with these people. They were seen. Going on holidays, they were over in Spain at times. Which, which, was certainly over in Spain with, with, with the, uh, the, the, fledgling Keenan cartel, and all of those connections um, stepped it up a notch in Limerick again.
1: Mm, mm. Kieran Keane's murder obviously was a massively significant event and it did weaken the Keane Colopy organization. They kind of became the underdogs of the situation. But do you think people understand how terrifying those dungeons were anymore? I mean, you know, they're they're put away quite a, a long time now. Um but there was a point in Limerick where they used to come out the door and they would go and kick in their neighbours' houses to get young lads up out of the beds to go and do their dirty work for them, to hold guns, to hold drugs. Parents were terrified of them. Everybody was terrified of them. Wayne Dundon cut a figure. He was as... He was as wide as he was tall. And uh, his his red hair, and he always seemed to have this sort of very white pallor, eyes a bit like a shark, and... Um, the violence, the, the psychopaths. I mean, they were. there was no doubt about it, but they were psychopaths. They ruled their turf with an iron fist. And unlike a lot of the gangs we talk about, the money seemed to come secondary. The power was first. They never really gathered loads of money. They were, okay, there might have been a few holidays to Mexico and Spain, but that was about it.
0: I mean, they were, you know, I remember getting a call into the office from somebody once and he was uh, involved in criminality in Limerick and he was complaining. He was saying these guys up in Dublin are getting 10 grand to shoot somebody in down here in Limerick. If you don't shoot somebody, Wayne Dundon is going to put a gun in your mouth and you get, you get 500 quid. And I mean, so they, although you talk about the Dundons as being organized criminals, in fact, they were, they were probably semi-literate and, and they ruled with fear and violence. And not just violence against people involved in in the game, but violence against women, violence against uh, young people, teenagers, violence against the relatives of people who owed them money and, uh, you know, even violence to to their own relatives. So they had, a, a, and of course, they were responsible for the deaths of a number of absolutely innocent people uh, that were, and some of them who, who had been involved and in, had been state witnesses as well. So they were, you know, while while, to an extent people will say organized criminals, you know, who target each other, they can understand there might be maybe a code or whatever that, that, that you know, that people who get involved in that lifestyle take a certain amount of risks. But the Dundons certainly didn't operate on that level. Anybody who opposed them, uh was a danger of being shot dead
1: yeah I mean look the story of of what happened to Roy Collins is a typical like I mean exactly sort of gives you the nature of of the Dundons. um I think a sister of Wayne Dundon was refused entry into a pub because she was 14. and that's what kicked off what would ultimately end in in um in Roy Collins's uh Life been ended by, you know, by horrendous assassination.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, like it, it, it was, it was shocking, and of course there was the, the the death of Shane Gagan, who was a totally innocent rugby player. And um, so these were really, really shocking incidents. And you know, at some point, um, society as a whole in Ireland um, felt this couldn't go on, and. We did see political action. We saw, and we saw people on the streets of Limerick protesting. And at that point, then um, the McCarthy, Ryan gang, and Moy Ross um, started to realise that they wanted nothing to do with the Dundon brothers. Um, as the as the as the two thousand tens started to come to an end, there was a split because they realised that there was only it was only all going to end one way. You know, society will tolerate a certain amount of criminality, but it won't tolerate, and nor should it tolerate, uh, you know, the level of violence that the Dundans displayed. So the focus became of the Garda, understandably and correctly, on on, on uh, smashing that 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 Dundan gang. And um, in that time, the McCarthy Ryan gang um, actually started to become a more sophisticated, more cleverly run operation. Um, and the Dundons, of course, um, well, three of the Dundon brothers now are behind bars, serving life sentences. John, Wayne, and Desi Dundon, and um, Jared Dundon, is recently released. So that, that that crime, and of course, their their brother-in-law Nathan Khalid, who's serving sentences for those for those murders as well. So that the Dundons really have. Been a broken force,
1: completely. I mean, it always seemed to me that um, as a nation, we tolerated the Dundans for too long. I think we've tolerated others for too long, the likes of John Gilligan and others, but when you go down to Limerick or did in those days and you could see where those Dundon houses were on Hyde Road, one of the main roads into the city. You would be in the city centre shopping and you turn a corner and you're on Hyde Road and their houses loomed over that whole community and, um, You know, I remember somebody telling me that the uh, social welfare offices in the city centre were a complete flashpoint for these gangs to... They would all be going in to collect social welfare, um, courtesy, obviously, of the taxpayer. And they would come to blows in there. There could have been knives, guns, anything uh, pulled out. And that was just literally off the main shopping streets. I think the people in Limerick were left too long before the state stepped in there and showed that they can shut any of these guys down when they concentrate on them. They've done it before and they're they're doing it now and they'll do it again. But anyway, they did go in all guns blazing against the Dundons. They tangoed them, whatever you want to call it, and they managed to bring them before the courts and have them convicted for, um, for those murders and for threats to kill, etc. Now, on life went and a number of the key players were imprisoned. Two of the Colopy brothers got lengthy prison terms when they were found sometime later buying heroin of George Mitchell's brother Paddy, the late Paddy Mitchell. Um, Fat John McCarthy, as you've mentioned, got 14 years when he was caught with heroin. Uh, the gangs of Limerick seemed to scatter and a calm descended upon the city. But was it or were the were, were the gangs learning from their mistakes? Were they realising that that kind of very visible violence is bad for business? Were they becoming sophisticated? Were they building up money laundering um, facilities and slick operations? Because when we see the, the guards and the military going back in again at the same people, it seems very much that that's what's been happening in the background.
0: Well, if you look at... Um you know the the fates of the gangs have been slightly different. Um, you know, but in terms of the, the the Keane gang, the operation of the Keane Keen gang, uh, Christy Keane obviously is out now for a long period of time. But he's a a, a pensioner or, or almost a, a figurehead of for that operation.
1: He's still ahead of
0: that gang, is he? Well, he's a figurehead anyway for sure, but mm-hmm. what you have seen is that there's a network of people who are very closely aligned with him who have emerged who are much much younger and um, who are um, have developed very very strong contacts with crime gangs across the co- across the country, in particular the key keen operation seem to be aligned to uh the gang, the family. Um, but I think these gangs, in fairness, buy off, um, buy off anyone. Um, they seem to have built up uh, a network, a drug-dealing network across the country. And they really are, um, you know, with Wayne, well, not maybe with Wayne, but the Dundons in particular, you know, back in the day, they'd be on Bebo and, you know, they'd be doing whatever they were doing, ringing up the Limerick leader, or, you know, they were a certain type of criminal. But the new... The new network of of, of within the Keane gang are very very different. Um, there's a number there's a number of of people that are in their early 30s. Some of them have very serious convictions, um, but they're operating in a totally different way. Um, they're not flashing the cash. They seem to have done what what most crime gangs did in Ireland, and um, which was become involved broadly in the auto trade and use that as a way to launder money. And the Colopy gang have become to a degree separate from the, from the Keen uh, operation. Um, they're probably, the, the, the Colopy gang be, were certainly one of the major players in the heroin trade. They also were very highly, uh, involved in places like Galway and supplying cocaine and, and drugs like that but the the, the Colopy gang maybe are not as strong as they were they've there's a large number of them still in behind prison and um, there's even recently uh, one of the brothers was, was extradited to Bulgaria to face a driving offense so that 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 they have probably not had the same level of, of, of success but of course the the McCarty Ryan gang probably became the one of the dominant forces again, and they, through Ed McCarty, linked up over in Birmingham with Thomas Bobber Cavanaugh. And um, Ed McCarty's an interesting character in that he's, you know, he he's been described in court as a major drug dealer, one of the biggest drug dealers in the in the west of Ireland. But he has not become before the courts really, and for a long time for any serious offences. And they seem to have become, and um, the McCarty gang in general have become certainly the distributing drugs to Cork City in particular. Cork probably doesn't have that same organised crime route that that, that Libering had, but there is a lot of drug drug abuse and drug dealing going on in the city, and that tended to be supplied from, from that Ross gang. So they've had different fates, but they've become certainly more sophisticated. And, you know, although there have been outbreaks of violence between the, the Keane gang and the, the McCarthy gang, and... Um, there's always this is always what you hear, and who knows because nobody signs contracts or peace talks. You know, you don't get a, a an official document at the end, but there always is this this word that you hear that these gangs have made a conscious decision amongst each other to not shoot and kill, um to to focus on business, to focus on making money, and you know it's 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 you know not to bring a uh, that of attention that they saw that 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 really saw the redundance. For example, wiped out. So that is what you hear. As I said, nobody's doing up a PDF document and signing a contract to peace. And there have been there have been attempts on each other's lives within that time. But there does seem to be a, a degree of of uh, let's not get in each other's way and let's not continue on this self-destructive path.
1: It always reminds me slightly of the odd time I go out and I try and weed my garden a bit. And sometimes I might take a shovel to something that um, is annoying me and I'll go right down and think I've got it from the weed and I'll proudly go out and stick it in the brown bin or whatever. But uh, it comes back, especially if I don't tend to the place. And that's really what those drug gangs are like. They're always there. They're always underlying the surface. Some of them may be in prison. Some of them may have been, you know, stamped out for a wee while but if you take your eye off the ball they'll start growing again bigger than ever.
0: Yeah, the roots the roots are really strong and of course the the rewards are very if if you know for young men living in places where they're struggling for jobs and struggling you know to to, to make a mark in the world to have um organized criminals in the middle of those places with huge amounts of money, cars and, and an extravagant lifestyle, you know, it's it's very it's very tempting um and it's also something that, you know, that that the state have to not allow happen where these people, you know, can take control of a certain certain part of the community. So, but, you know, as I said, this isn't, you know, if you wake up, if you moved, went to Limerick for a weekend, you're not going to come across these people. This is, you know, it's a great, modern, beautiful city, um, but it is there and it does have to be addressed.
1: Yeah I found it curious in in Limerick it was so different in some ways to to other parts of the country that the gangs like the Criminal Assets Bureau went in there and they did what they could do within the realms of the laws they're working under but they came away with a couple of council houses and actually um, when We were dusting down the old files last week to have a look at where everybody was so we could try and work out who had been lifted, who hadn't, and uh, tally the addresses and stuff. It seems to me that many of these big players are still living in exactly the same houses, in exactly the same housing estates and a lot of the houses, uh we're not gonna name anywhere or anybody, but a lot of the houses are social houses. So uh yeah. we're we're also we're also paying for them to uh to live where they are. It's a slightly chaotic world we live in, isn't it?
0: It absolutely is. And um you know the, it's just amazing how the money comes and goes, you know. There's huge amounts of money comes through people's hands, but the ability—it's only a very tiny minority of them that manage to uh, hold on and make something of that money. You know, it's—it's it's such a—it's an incredible uh, phenomenon, really. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, Fat John is currently before the courts on. Um Fat John McCarthy that is Fat John as if he's my pal but Fat John McCarthy is currently before the courts on um, for, to do with unlicensed horses which were linked to him a very small minor charge perhaps considering what he has previously been convicted of but nonetheless it's a sign of how the state is and continues to try and hit these drug gangs in every single way they can and use all the legislation all the laws and everything they have um, in their pocket against them so, for the moment, Niall Donald, thank you very much. Thanks, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland? And across the globe, Crime World is brought to you in association with Manscaped, who provide an incredible, complete men's
0: grooming experience. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for Crime World listeners. 20% off and free shipping with the code CRIMEWORLD at manscaped.com. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on.